So this morning while we were getting ready and prepping the stage and everything, I took a couple minutes and it did take me a couple minutes to count how many's in the tri basket. Uh-huh. You want to know? I'm not going to tell you. That's a good guess. So for those of you who don't know, who maybe this is your first Sunday, we have this tri-basket up here. And essentially, uh, a lot of times evangelism is scary. It's, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to, I don't want to be a stumbling block to someone else. And so we're trying to take that sting, that scare away and say, just try. Just try to love on someone in the name of Jesus. Try to pray with them. And if you try, no matter what that outcome is, you get to put a ball in the basket. So we started that back in March. So that's somebody do quick math. That's five months. Five months. We have in five months. There's no drum roll. I feel like I should make jokes. Hey, uh, <laughs> 355 tries. Uh, it is our goal, uh, and we're getting close. It's our goal to have to get another basket uh, and fill that one up uh, as well. So continue to try to share the love of God with other people. It matters. It makes a difference in people's lives. And frankly, you might be the only Bible anyone ever reads. You might be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees. It is our responsibility as grafted into the body of Christ to be ambassadors for Jesus. And that's how we live our lives that matters most. Won't you pray with, us, with me this morning? Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come and be in uh, this setting together in worship of you. Father, strengthen us, soften our hearts, sharpen our minds, and strengthen our back for the call that you have placed on each and every one of our lives. May we be world changers for you in every situation we are in. May we trust in you more. And Father, may you continue to guide us. Thank you. Just thank you for so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this past month, you will know if you've been here this past month, we have been doing, it's not a movie, it's a TV show, uh, Breaking Bad. And essentially what we've been talking about is bad theology, things that we believe that aren't necessarily in the Bible. And I feel like today I'm going to incidentally step on some people's toes and beliefs. And I'm sorry if that's the case. We're going to work through it. God is good. Uh, God, amen. <laughs> uh, and God has something for us today. Well, I'm setting it there for because I got scripture in here. <laughs> so today I wanted to take a, a few minutes to talk specifically about this phrase. You've heard this phrase before. You might have said this phrase before. I know I have. God won't give you more than you can handle. You've heard that? Yeah. yeah. 
God won't give you more than you can handle. And although this is said to people who are typically going through difficult times uh, to try and comfort them, it's actually not in Scripture. Did you know that? It's nowhere to be found in the Bible. And in fact, is a misrepresentation of what Scripture actually says. When we tell people God won't give them more than they can handle, it implies a couple things. There's a couple of implications that come from God won't give you more than you can handle. One of the things that is, is the hard thing you are going through is God's doing. Let me say that again. One of the implications of us saying to people, God won't give you more than you can handle is that the hard thing you are going through right now is because of God. James 1, 2, and 3 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Then jumping down to verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Sometimes the difficult thing we are going through, according to Scripture here, is because I made a dumb decision. It's because I brought that on myself. Scripture here again, it says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. God doesn't drag us away. That's not how God works. Sometimes when we say God won't give us more than we can handle, it implies that God has put all of this on us. And sometimes, quite frankly, it's our own doing. God gives us free will to choose. And sometimes what we choose doesn't line up with what God has for us. But praise God. Praise God. We can never be too far away from God that his arm cannot reach us again. There are testimonies in this room right now of people who were very far from God. And yet God still chased after them because of their own choices. And yet God still says, you are mine, come back. It's the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. We don't think about this, but the father, who was the head of the house, essentially the son said, give me my inheritance, meaning, hey, I wish you were dead. Because how do you get your inheritance? When, you're, when the person giving it to you dies. Saying to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me what is mine. And what happened when the son came back? And the story that Jesus tells. What happened when the son came back? Did the father stand there with his arms crossing? Ha! I knew you'd be back. Your poor choices took you away. I've been here waiting for you. No, that's not what happened. The father embarrassed himself by flinging off his sandals and running to his son. That is God chasing after you and me. Running after you. 
when we realize, oh, maybe I did this. There's something else it implies too. This God won't give you more than you can handle. The other thing it implies that if you are struggling to get through something, it is your problem alone. Because after all, if God won't give you more than you can handle, why aren't you handling it? But that again is a misrepresentation of what scripture says. Isaiah 41.10, which was read earlier. Let me read that last verse that was just read. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not, de be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right, right hand. <laughs> when we tell people God won't give them more than they can handle, we essentially say, you don't need God, you can handle it. But that's just not the truth. The truth of the matter is, you need God. Amen. And so do I. The truth of the matter is, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. The truth of the matter is, whether you like it or not, we actually need each other too. Amen. Like God created us for community, for the body of Christ. And You've heard it said, you've read it in scripture, it would not be good for all of us to be an eyeball. It would be a really weird looking body of Christ if we were all just one big rolling eyeball. But we need each other. John 16, 33 says this, I have said this is Jesus now talking to his disciples. This is Jesus just before he is taken away to be put on a false or farce trial, to be beaten and hung and killed and then ultimately resurrected. This is just before all of that. These are the last words he's essentially saying to the, his disciples in the room before being taken off, some of the last words. And what he says here is, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you've heard this, you will have tribulation, you will have hardships, you will have trouble, but what's the rest? Take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. When we tell people that God won't give you more than, they can, than you can handle. We remove the power of God in their life. And we say to them, you're good enough. When the truth of the matter is, we have never been good enough. When Moses was re received the Ten Commandments, it was to show us that we are so far away from God. Here is the standard, and we can't live up to it. Outside of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and the fire of the Holy Spirit that purifies. And with those things, oh, we are more than conquerors then. But when we say God won't give you more than you can handle, we essentially say You're, you, you can do it yourself and you just can't. And you know what? That's okay. You were made, you were created for communion with God. You were created for fellowship with the divine. Let us not remove that. Let us lean in to that. Why did God make Adam and Eve? 
just because he was bored one Sunday or Saturday? No. He made Adam and Eve to have someone to have fellowship with him. He, does that not blow your mind? Like we exist to engage with the divine. Who are we that God would care so much for us? That God would want to engage with me, lowly, broken, me. Who, who are we? And yet God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. Oh. And when we tell people, God won't give you more than, they, than you can handle. We kind of remove the divine from the equation. Let me give you a couple examples. I'm a big believer in that. Let's look at the scripture to kind of lay out some more of this. Moses, you heard of him? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He also led the Israelites out of slavery. Led them through the wilderness and finally to the outskirts of the promised land. And then Joshua took over and walked them in. Moses, one that we would look at as a giant of the faith. As you know, in Moses, if you go back and you look, and you can read this later if you'd like, you can read the full context, Exodus 3 and 4. It's this interchange, this, this, this conversation between Moses and a burning bush. Well, God in the burning bush. Moses, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. Flings them off. This conversation then ensues. And you know, in this conversation, there's a couple things Moses does. He says a couple things to God. He says, who am I? His first thing. Moses, I need you to do this. And his first response is, who am I? Essentially saying, you are, what you're asking me to do, I'm not good enough. Nope. The conversation keeps going. No, you're going to go. And Moses says, well, what if they don't believe? There's this, do you do this? You do this with God? I'm not good enough. What if they don't receive my message? Uh, I don't know. Then lastly, here's the, here's the, the you know, Moses like, okay, fine. You're, you're still, you are unrelenting and getting me to do this. What about this, God? God, what about this? I, I'm, you want me to go talk? You want me to go talk to Pharaoh, the superpower of their day? But here's the deal. I am slow in speech and tongue, right? Moses was a stutterer. His tongue got twisted when he talked. Seems like something that would be a problem if God asked you, hey, you're going to go communicate with people. Yeah, but I kind of stutter. Huh. What about, what about Gideon? You know the story of Gideon? Heard the story of Gideon? You can find that in, in Judges uh, chapter 6, his story of Gideon. But in Judges 6, 15 and 16, it says this, how can I save Israel? Gideon now talking to the angel of the Lord. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. 
and I am the least in my family. Do you hear that? <laughs> my clan of all of Israel is the weakest. We are looked down upon by everyone. And if that's not enough, God, as if you didn't know already, I'm going to tell you anyway. If that's not enough, not only is my clan the weakest, I am the weakest in my clan. So of all of Israel, I am the weakest. Why would you pick me? Does that sound like someone that's, that would, if someone said God won't give you more than you can handle, like he would respond well to that? <laughs> The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Okay, so we got Moses, we got Gideon. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah 1, 5 and 6. His response to God. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Ever use that qualifier? Not young, but necessarily I'm too fill in the blank. I'm too old, I'm too poor, I'm too slow at speech, I'm to fill in your adjective there. I'm too this. And God says, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. What about David? David killed a giant. Nobody believed in David. He was too small. Couldn't even wear the armor into battle. Hmm. What Peter, James, and John? Now going into the New Testament. Peter, James, and John, blue-collar workers, fishermen. They smelt, I'm sure, of fish all the time. What about Matthew? You know who Matthew was? Matthew was a tax collector. Anyone paid their taxes lately? That make you feel good about paying your taxes? And the guy who was one of them, a, he was Jewish, and yet working for the Romans was despised. God won't give us more than we can handle. It seems to me that God continues to pick people that are in over their head. It seems to me that is kind of what God does. God picks the ones that the world says they're not good enough. And God says, yeah, watch. Because it's not about your strength. It's never been about your strength. It's always been about God's. The power of Christ in you. So let's look. Because... There is a scripture verse in the Bible is where we come with God won't give us more than we can handle. So let's look at that verse for a minute. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you may endure it. We take that scripture and we turn it into something else. Here, James is talking specifically about temptation. Any of you ever been tempted? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tempted to take shortcuts, tempted to whatever your temptation, you know what your temptation is. And we take that and we pull it out of context and turn it into something else. But the truth of this part of scripture is about temptation. And friends, all of us have tempted, have been tempted. All of us have struggled with temptation and may now currently struggle with temptation. But this verse tells us that you won't be tempted beyond what you can handle. And in fact, God will provide a way out. The question is for us when we are tempted, when God provides that way out, do we choose it? When we see the off-ramp, do we take it or do we keep barreling down the highway? This morning, here in a couple minutes, we're going to have some music play. But before that, listen, it is not my goal or my, I am not trying to get on anyone. If you have used you have said to someone god won't give you more than you can handle in good faith and all i am not here to beat you up about that what i would say is maybe maybe a better response is trust more in the lord and how can i help you through this difficult time because you know what part of what we are the body of christ we're the arm of God sometimes. And when we look around and say, well, won't someone should do something. So I, I used to be a camp, camp director for the Salvation Army. And uh, one of the things that you do when you're at camp, it's like working on a submarine because you're literally stranded with all of, you know, we were the directors and we had teenagers and young adults working for us. And it's like being stranded on a submarine. And essentially what that means is there's like no one coming on or off the ship. We are all here together. We are in this together. We got to make it work. And so when, I, when someone say someone should do something, you know the response. You are someone. Friends, if you see something, if you see one of your, your neighbors, if you see someone, a brother or sister in Christ struggling, and you say, well, someone should... I'm going to suggest that maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying to you, you are somebody. You are someone. Try. Because you, you and I, you and I were called for a purpose. You and I are different for a reason. You and I have different personalities and different talents and different skills for a reason. We look different for a reason. What a great reason that is, is because God can use each of us individually for his great purpose. This morning, if you are one struggling with temptation, God provides a way out. Won't you come and allow the Holy Spirit to move more in your life. And two, you and I need, we need, we need Jesus. We just do. You cannot handle it.
by yourself. And that is not a judgment coming from me. That is the reality of the world. We are designed to be dependent on God. And that is not a weakness. That's a strength. So this morning, won't you come? Won't you come as the music plays and allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life?